Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. We are so glad that you're here. Now, some of you keep moving around, and you keep me on, on my toes, and I, I like that. We've got folks who are back for the first time, the Colsons this morning, and uh, it's good to see them wherever you are. Uh, we love you, and we miss you. We need you if you're at home. Those of you who are here, we need you too as we continue to be the church during this time, as we try to get back together and uh, pick up the pace of, of ministry in ways that we're there for one another in our community. Cole, thank you for this morning. First time was wonderful, and uh, to bring it full circle, Asher, uh, Cole's son, is going to read the scripture for us from Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can open up. That'll be on the screen behind us. UALR Trojan bound, is that right? Playing baseball. Asher, thank you. One of our graduates this year, going to read the scripture for us. All right, I'll be reading Philippians 2, 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not ruin or labor in vain. Thank you. It is so easy to grumble and complain. And it's easier now than ever before because you can do it from a distance. You can do it virtually. You can do it without ever seeing the person or the place that you're complaining about. And we are invited to comment on everything, rate and review everything. How many stars would you give that experience, that purchase? Let the world know what you think. So if you buy something on Amazon, they immediately start asking you, how would you rate this? How would you review this? Would you recommend this? How many stars would you give it? At the end of your Uber ride, you get to rate and review your driver, and your driver gets to rate and review you. And if you go to a restaurant today after church, and the food is great, but the greeter, let's be honest, is a little bit aloof and off-putting, why not tell the world about it? Write a Yelp review. Write something snarky and clever, and maybe other people will see it. I'll be honest, when I stay in hotels and Airbnbs now, I'm reading what other people are saying. I want to see the reactions, good or bad. It was a few months ago now that I first learned about an artist named Amber Share, And she came across a review online that she thought was pretty hilarious. It was a Yelp review of a national park in which someone left a one-star review of the National Park. And it was a ridiculous review uh, as well. And it 
kind of sent her on this wild goose chase. She, she had to read more, so she got on Yelp and started checking all the other national parks, 61, 62 national parks, and reading across the board how there were lots of four and five star reviews, but a lot of people on every single park leaving one-star reviews for something they did not like. Now, being an artist, she decided that she would make posters, kind of retro-style posters for each national park. And on that poster, she would write one of those one-star Yelp reviews. And I want to show you just a few of my favorites. So the Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, one-star, didn't even get to touch lava. Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore, all the points of interest are rocks. Golden Gate National Recreation Area, only fog. Bay Area, can't you do something about that? Grand Canyon, a hole, a very, very large hole, one star. And they're not wrong. Joshua Tree National Park, the only thing to do here is walk around the desert. Sequoia National Park with the redwoods, bugs, and they will bite you on your face. <laughs> Glacier National Park, too cold for me. Arches National Park in Utah looks nothing like the license plate. Yellowstone, save yourself some money and boil some water at home. Isle Royale National Park, no cell service and terrible Wi-Fi. What are we supposed to do? We're not barbarians here. Grand Teton National Park, all I saw was like mountains and some trees. Yosemite, trees block views and there are too many gray rocks. Zion National Park, which we went to a couple of years ago, scenery is distant and impersonal. When I see sandstone cliffs, I want them to see me at the same time. And White Sands National Park, literally miles of white sand. Now this whole little intro reminds me, if you like this sermon, be sure to rate and review at the end of it. And click on a link above so you can get more great CVC content. I'm going to end every sermon that way from now on. And if you like the idea of me ending every sermon that way from now on, be sure to rate and review at the end of this sermon. Okay, so that verse that Asher read for us at the beginning, I don't know what your experience was, but that was a favorite verse of youth leaders before church trips. Do everything without grumbling, complaining, and arguing. And you can see why. But I want to back up a minute, and I want to remind you about this church that Paul is writing to, the church in Philippi. One of the first things we learn about this church is how fondly Paul thinks of them. There are that he lays into like the Corinthian church right off the bat. But the church in Philippi, he says, every time I think of you, I, I can't help but thank God for you. I'm always praying for you because of our partnership 
in the gospel. We're up to something big, and God is up to something big in you. And so he says, I'm convinced that the good things, the good work that God has started in you, God's going to see that thing to the very end. This is a good church. And if you were here last week, or if you saw the sermon, then you may remember this was a very generous church. This was one of the churches in Macedonia that he was talking about that were very generous to the poor in Jerusalem. And they weren't generous because they had a lot of extra. In fact, he said they didn't have much. They had their own place of poverty. And yet their generosity overflowed because their joy overflowed. This is good church. These are good people. But it's also possible to be very generous to some people and yet hold back in generosity to others. It is very possible to overflow with care and compassion to some people and really struggle with patience and compassion and love others. You know those times they're like, why can you be so nice to them and so difficult to us? And here's what we learned. This great church still has its struggles as every great church does. And their struggle, Paul talks about, is disunity and disagreement that's leading to problems, not the kind of disagreement that is healthy and leads to healthy conversation, but the kind of disagreement that leads to division. They're struggling to get along, and as we can pick up in this passage, they're struggling in how they're talking with one another. The arguing, the complaining, the grumbling, The word Paul uses here for grumbling in the Greek is the word that shows up in the Greek version of the Old Testament that a lot of the early church used, the Septuagint. And it shows up a lot in the Old Testament in the Exodus story. And some of you may have grown up hearing it not as grumbling, but murmuring. In the wilderness, they murmured. They murmured. They murmured. Like Numbers 14, 26. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints, its murmuring about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now, it is only fair to recognize that the wandering in the wilderness was not a stroll on the beach. It was not easy. But let me remind you of what was even more difficult where they were before they ended up in the wilderness. The book of Exodus starts with the people of God in Egypt, enslaved, in cruel, being abused by the Pharaoh and taken advantage of. And the larger they got as a population, the more he pressed his thumb down on them as a people. And so we hear as they collectively cry out to God for deliverance. And what does God do? God delivers them. And as they're in this process of going from where they were enslaved to where they will be, the promised land, 
all the pain and problems of the past start to look a little less. And the discontent with the present starts to rise up. They had forgotten what they had just come from. And that happens with constant complaining. It can become toxic. It can minimize all the good things that have happened in the past or all the good things that are happening in the present. It can be contagious. So one malcontented individual or couple, they can sour a whole group. It starts to poison relationships, and it sours attitudes, and it clouds our outlooks. It it erodes our communication with other people, our closeness with other people. It damages work environments. It kills churches. Often it misplaces anger away from what we're really angry about onto anyone who just happens to be close to us at the time and often in ways that are disproportionate to what we're experiencing. Our anger and our frustration and our complaints, they come out in ways that don't really match what we're going through. It pushes us further from God and it creates a real boy who cried wolf problem. Because there are legitimate reasons to speak up, to cry out. Being enslaved in Egypt is one of them. There are legitimate reasons to voice our concerns and our complaints. But when we complain about everything and often, then that usually means that we're complaining about a lot of things that aren't worth the time and the effort. And we start to lose our ability to affect change about things that really need to change. Now, one of my favorite examples of this, and I've, I've pointed to this illustration before several years ago, but it's, it's worth resharing, is in uh, a Christmas vacation. And you remember Clark is busy the whole movie doing Clark things. And at one point, he is putting what is about 20,000, maybe a million lights up on his house. But try as he might, he cannot get them to come on. And finally, he figures it out. And by he, I mean his wife. She figures it out. But the whole family comes outside to celebrate with him this thing that he worked so hard on. Finally, there they are. You can see them. 20,000 lights, and everyone cheers except his father-in-law. And his father-in-law points up at that roof, and he says, the little lights are not twinkling, Clark. To which Clark says in exasperation, I know, Art, and thanks for noticing. You have some of those thanks for noticing people in your life Man, they can see the little non-twinkling lights and they they miss the 20,000. Now, here's the harder question. Are you sometimes one of those thanks for noticing kind of people? Or maybe even the harder question is a little more reflection. When are those times when you're one of those thanks for noticing kind of people? When the little things are constantly bringing out the complaints. Long lines, slow traffic, 
slow service, items that don't ship in two days or less for free, even though it's really not free, we're paying for it. Someone who doesn't do exactly what you think they should do, or someone who doesn't think exactly how you think they should think. So Paul's instruction, don't be that kind of people, the constantly complaining and arguing kind of people. Instead, be blameless and pure, which is not about perfection, but in this case, it's the kind of people that aren't constantly dragging others down and the name of God in the process. Don't be that kind of people because when we do that, we not only make ourselves miserable and others around us miserable, but we start to ruin our witness. But when we adjust the ways we talk to others and about others and treat others, then Paul says we start to become light in what can so often be a dark world. So we've talked about this every week in one form or another in this series. This last 16, 17 months has been a really difficult, dark stretch for a lot of people. Now, maybe not everyone, and we talked about that too, that we've all experienced some of the same things, and yet we experience them in different ways. And so for some, what's been really difficult for others has been kind of easy. For, what, for some, what has taken a toll for others has, has kind of filled them up a little bit. But the reality is, whether these last 16 months were a storm for you, we all go through storms of loss, of pain, of saying goodbye to people we love, of the grief that follows of jobs that are lost or going nowhere, of relationships that are lost or stagnant. We all know what it is to go through storms at one time or another. And so we all know inherently how much our world needs light. But here's the thing, because of our different perspectives and vantage points, because of the ways that we experience the world different, differently, then our opinions and outlooks can vary wildly too. And so whether the last 16 months has been extraordinarily difficult for you or pretty easy, either way, it can be easy to become very critical and complain constantly about, you name it, friends, family members, businesses, schools, government, church, because they didn't handle it the way you think they should. Don't they get it? What's their problem? And it's easy to complain because places are opening too slowly or they're opening too quickly. And it's easy to complain because either that business has thrown caution to the wind or that business is being way too cautious. And it's easy to complain that some things have changed and you just want it to go back to normal, whatever you think normal looked like before this all started. 
where it's easy to complain that you think, hey, this was the perfect time to make some change. Why didn't we make some more change? I don't know the times or situations in which you find yourself complaining, especially those times that are disproportionate to the situation and destructive to your own soul and to people around you. I just know for myself how easy it can be in certain moments to give in to that mindset. And especially now because a lot of us are frazzled and we're tired and we're fed up. It is so easy to grumble and complain and criticize. Demolition is always easier than construction. Criticizing what we feel should be is always easier than rolling up our sleeves and coming alongside others and working for something better. But what if? What if Christians developed the reputation for building up instead of tearing down. So I came across a story several years ago that I I loved. It was about an unusual jet blue flight from New York to California. And on this flight, passengers were informed that they were going to film a commercial for Mother's Day. But that wasn't why I liked it, although that's what set up the part that I like. At the beginning of the flight, before the plane took off, a flight attendant attendant announced, this will be the very first flight where crying babies is a good thing. And here's why. JetBlue was offering 25% off discount to passengers every time a baby started crying on the flight. Four crying babies equals free flight. And something pretty amazing happening. Every time a baby started crying, people started cheering and clapping. Have you ever experienced that on a flight? Cheering and clapping every time a baby started crying. And here's the part I love about the story. The babies didn't change. The babies were babies. And they did exactly what babies do, especially when their ears start to get filled with all that pressure. They cried. They let it out. What changed? It was the attitude of everyone else on that plane. And it was the approach of everyone else on that plane. The passengers started being for those families instead of against them. And parents still did what parents had to do, but they could do it while taking a deep breath and exhaling a sigh of relief because there wasn't the criticism anymore or the sideways glances. There wasn't the fear of judgment anymore. Because joy and jubilation 
replaced irritation. And love replaced the sideways looks. And grace replaced judgment. Compassion and camaraderie and encouragement replaced complaints. And they got to that 100%. I don't know if people just started clapping in babies' faces to make them cry, but they got their free flight. But it was a better flight also. So what if? What if we practiced a lot more cheering and a lot less complaining? I suspect we will begin to shine like stars in what can be a very dark world.